G'day and welcome to the AOS Coach sneak peek into the 2023 Gloom Spike Gits Battle Tome. In this video, I'm going to shine the light of the bad moon on our allegiance updates, our enhancements, our grand strategies and battle tactics, a new battalion for match play, as well as war scroll changes and points. Games Workshop did send me this book in advance before store release, but they won't see the video before it goes live. In this book, you'll also find narrative gems, path to glory, as well as that unique code for you to unlock these rules in the Age of Sigmar app. One of my biggest frustrations with the Gloom Spike Gits Battle Tome in the past is that I didn't get to use my Allegiance abilities from turn one until the latest update to the Loon Shrine. Now, the good news is the Light of the Bad Moon has changed for the better. With the Gloom Spike Gits Allegiance ability, in the first battle round, after players have received their starting command points, but before the start of the first turn, the player commanding the Gloom Spike Gits army gets to pick one large quarter of the battlefield, and that's the starting spot of the Bad Moon's location. If you happen to be in a mirror match and you're playing Gloom Spike versus Gloom Spike to see who loves the Bad Moon more, you get to roll off and the winner picks which quadrant the Bad Moon starts. There's clearly no two Bad Moons, it's just one. Now, during the battle, the Bad Moon may change its location. The Bad Moon starts in the large quarter of the battlefield that you determined at the start. Then when it makes its first move, it moves into the center of the battlefield. The next move will then move into the large quarter of the battlefield directly opposite the quarter you initially chose. And then finally, the last move will take it off the battlefield. Now the way the movement works is at the start of the second and subsequent battle round, before the priority roll takes place, the player commanding the Gloom Spike Gits army gets to roll a dice. And if there happens to be a mirror match, those players will get to roll off to see who gets to roll the dice. Now on a roll of 1 to a 3, the Bad Moon doesn't move and it stays in its current location. On a 4 or more, it gets to move into the next location. When the Bad Moon moves off the battlefield, it has no further effect on the battle. The location of the Bad Moon will determine which Gloom Spike Gits units are affected by the light of the Bad Moon, and there are battle tactics, grand strategies, and abilities tied to the units that are under the light of the Bad Moon. When the Bad Moon is located in a large quarter of the battlefield, all of the Gloom Spike Gits units that are wholly within that same large quarter are affected by the light of the Bad Moon. When it's in the center of the battlefield, all Gloom Spike Gits units on the battlefield are affected. The big change here is the Bad Moon no longer starts off the battlefield, so you gain immediate benefit for the quarter that you select. The other big change is the moon can no longer jump two spots, and this will feed into Scragrot's ability if you happen to use that in the old book. It's also easier for the bad moon to stay in its current spot, which could be a negative or a positive depending on what battle round you're in and where the bad moon's sitting. I know when it sits in the center of the battlefield, you want to be rolling that one to a three to keep the benefits across the whole table for as long as possible, and it's going to mean that you're not going to get just one good turn of abilities. The benefits of being under the light of the Bad Moon has changed as well, and I'll speak about that in a moment. Gits has expanded out their sub-factions, and they're known as the Gittish Hordes. You might already be familiar with the Jaws of Mork that are focused on Squig builds, the Glog's Mega Mob focus on the Trogoth build, and the Grim Scuttle focus on the Spider Fang. 
There are two new sub-factions, and they are the King's Gits and the Bad Snatchers. More about them later. So we just saw the Bad Moon mechanics, and I guess you're now wondering, how does it work in the game, and what are the benefits? Well, there's four key benefits, and yes, there is a couple that are missing. Frothing Zealots, if a friendly Moon Clan unit receives the Rally Command while it's affected by the Light of the Bad Moon, you can return one slain model to the unit that received the command on a 4-up instead of a 6. With Lunar Squig, while friendly Gloomspike Gits Squigs are affected by the Light of the Bad Moon, they can attempt to charge even if they ran. Moonlit Hide lets you add one to the save rolls for attacks that target Gloomspike Gits Trogoth units while they're affected by the Light of the Bad Moon. And Spider Venom, while Spider Fang units are affected by the Light of the Bad Moon, their Spider Venom ability is going to cause mortal wounds on a 5-up instead of a 6. Now players who use the old Battle Tome will notice you lost the plus 1 to casting for friendly wizards and minus 1 to casting for enemy wizards. You also lost the ability to generate an extra command point if your general was under the light of the bad moon. And there was also the ability that used to deal D3 mortal wounds to an enemy if you rolled under the amount of models in the unit. So that's also been removed. Gloomspike Gits heroes have received access to two additional heroic actions that they can use instead of the universal options like heroic leadership and finest hour. Beckon the Lunatic Hordes is for Moon Clan heroes affected by the Light of the Bad Moon that can carry out this heroic action. This hero can immediately issue the Rally Command up to three times without a command point being spent, and each unit that receives the command must be a different Moon Clan unit. Wait and Smash can only be used by a Dankhold Trog boss within three inches of an enemy unit. This Dankhold Trog boss can make a 6 inch move and it must finish its move within 3 inches of an enemy. So you're starting combat, you've got to end in combat. But after it makes that move, roll a dice for each enemy unit within 1 inch of the Dankhold Trog boss. On a 2 up, it deals D3 mortal wounds. The Moon Clan heroic action is great if the situation arises, but obviously with Rally you've got to be outside of combat in order to receive the Rally command, but it would be beneficial. While the Dankhold Trog boss will be great to reposition that Dankhold Trog boss while it's in combat, uh, get into maybe a better position, get into a juicier target, and do a couple of extra mortal wounds. It might even get you out of a combat if you're fighting with the last couple of idiots and you just need to do a couple of mortal wounds for you to then move on and start the movement and the charge phase all over again. But what about my squigs and my spider fang you may ask? Well, you've received two new monstrous rampages for your Gloomspike Kits monsters that you can carry out from the table instead of any other monstrous rampage like Raw and Stomp. Instaring Webbing is for Arachnorok units and you get to pick one enemy hero within three inches of the Arachnorok unit that is not a monster and you roll a dice. If the score equals or exceeds that hero's wounds characteristic, that hero cannot fight in the following combat phase. Giant Boing is for Mangler Squigs, and this Mangler Squig can make a 3d6 move, but it must finish that move within 3 inches of any enemy units. I don't mind ensnaring webbing, but it is a high-risk play that will most likely result in nothing. I'd prefer Roar or Stomp. Though I am a massive fan of the giant boing to land the charge, then use a 3d6 move to reposition. Your mangler squigs fly so it can jump over screens, get into a juicy support hero, 
or tag an enemy flank that will minimize the amount of enemy models who pile in and strike back to your mangler squig it's kind of like what the stonehorn does after it charges and then can reposition but you've got a smaller base too compared to a frost lord on stonehorn so you get to use that to your advantage there are eight command traits to choose from with five being for your grot heroes and three for your dank hold trog boss with the clammy hand if your general is within 12 inches of the loon shrine at the end of your turn you can use the loon shrine's moon clan lair scenery rule twice at the end of that turn what is the moon clan lair's rule it's the ability that lets you replace a destroyed unit at half strength on a four plus Loon Touched is for wizards only, and the general can cast one additional spell in each of your hero phases while it's affected by the Light of the Bad Moon. Fight Another Day is for Loon Bosses only, and each time this general fights, after all of its attacks have been resolved, it can make a 2d6 move, and if you do so, it must finish its move more than 3 inches from all enemy units. Super Nasty Venom is for Spider Fang heroes with a mount only. Double the amount of mortal wounds that are inflicted by the general Spider Venom ability. And Squig Whisperer is for Squig heroes with a mount only. And that gives you plus one to your hit rolls and wound rolls for attacks made by the general's mount. With your Dankhold Trog bosses, you have Alpha Trog. Alpha Trog adds two to the General's Wounds characteristic, and in addition, the General becomes a monster, and it gains the monster keyword. Trog Smash once per battle, when the General fights, after all of the attacks have been resolved, you can say that it will perform a Trog Smash. If you do so, roll a dice for each enemy unit within three inches of the General. On a 2+, that unit suffers D3 Mortal Wounds. The last command trait is Loon Skin, and if your general has this command trait, it can include one of the following spells in your army without spending any points to do so. So you can take Mork's Mighty Mushroom, Scuttle Tide, or Malevolent Moon. In addition, in your hero phase, this general can attempt to cast a spell that summons the Endless Spell in the same manner as a wizard. All of the Grot Hero command traits have a clear benefit depending on how you're building your list. Use Fight Another Day to get your Loon Boss on Mangler Squig or even your Loon Boss on foot immediately out of combat after it's fought. While Super Nasty Venom will see 6 mortal wounds for each unmodified 6 to hit with the Arachnorok Spider's Fangs. Of the Trogoth command choices, I'm initially drawn to the Alpha Trog for those 2 extra wounds and the benefits that come with becoming a monster like Monstrous Rampages and scoring more on an objective. There are also 12 artifacts, with 6 being for Moon Clan heroes, 3 for Spider Fang, and 3 for Dankhold Trog bosses. Starting with your Moon Clan heroes, you've got Leering Git Shield, which unmodified hit rolls of 1s for attacks that target the bearer will cause one mortal wound to the attacking unit after all the attacks have been resolved. In addition, if the bearer is slain by attacks made by an enemy unit, subtract one from the hit rolls for attacks made by that unit until the end of the battle. Backstabber's Blade once per turn at the end of the combat phase, you can say that the bearer will use the Backstabber's Blade. Now if you do so, pick one enemy unit within one inch of the bearer and roll a dice. On a two up, that unit suffers d6 mortal wounds that cannot be negated. With the Clammy Cow, you subtract one from hit rolls that target the bearer. 
Loonstone Teeth Cap is for Squig heroes only with a mount or a companion. Now improve the Ren characteristic for the bearer's Fangfield Gob, Massive Fangfield Gob, or Huge Fangfield Gob by one. The Moonface Moment is still around and it's for wizards only. At the start of the combat phase, pick one enemy unit within 12 inches of the bearer and subtract one from save rolls for attacks that target that unit until the end of the phase. Finally, you have the Staff of Sneaky Stealing, and that's for Wizards only. Add one to the casting roll for the bearer, and each time the bearer unbinds a spell, you get to add one to the casting roll for the bearer for the rest of the battle. With your Spider Fang, you have the Headdress of Many Eyes, which is for your Scuttle Bosses only. Only unmodified hit rolls of 5 or 6 successfully score a hit for attacks that target the bearer. Nibla's Itty Ring is for wizards only and it is a once per battle at the start of your hero phase. You can say that the bearer will call upon the ring's power. If you do so, roll a dice and add the result to the casting roll made by the bearer until the end of that phase. And then finally, Totem of the Spider God. While other friendly Spider Fang units are wholly within 12 inches of the bearer, Add one to the number of mortal wounds caused by the spider venom ability for those units if it's an unmodified hit roll of six. It's worth calling out that when your spiders are under the light of the bad moon, the artifact of power doesn't affect the unmodified hit rolls of five. It still is just unmodified hit rolls of sixes to get the extra mortal wounds from spider venom. There are three artifacts for your dank hold trog bosses. The Glowy Houset gives the bearer a ward of 4+, and at the end of each phase, if the bearer was allocated any wounds in that phase and they weren't negated, you'd need to roll a dice. On a roll of a 1, the bearer eats the Glowy Houset, and it cannot be used again for the rest of the battle. The Speaky Skull Fetish. At the start of your hero phase, you roll 3 dice. For each 6, you receive a command point, and in addition, the bearer can issue the same command up to two times in the same phase. A command point is spent each time it's issued, but it does allow you to double up on your commands. Finally, you have the pet Gribbly that adds one to the bearer's wounds characteristic. And in addition, each time a wound is allocated to the bearer and not negated, roll a dice on a one, the pet Gribbly is squished. And when the pet Gribbly is squished, the bearer becomes enraged for the rest of the battle. You add one to your hit rolls and to your wound rolls for attacks made by the bearer while they're enraged. Now of the artifacts, I'm initially drawn to either the Loonstone Teeth Cap for the Loon Boss on a Magla Squig, the Totem of the Spider God to improve the number of mortal wounds from Spider Venom, the Pet Gribbly both for the story about getting enraged, but also the extra wound and getting the plus one to hit and plus one to wound when that Pet Gribbly is squished. I like the staff of the Sneaky Stealer for the extra spellcast power, especially if the wizard is also unbinding spells throughout the game. And the Moonface Moment is still a personal favourite of mine to improve the damage output by reducing the save of its target. There are two Gloomspite spell laws, one focused around the Moon Clan and the other focused around the Spider Fang. The Moon Clan spell law has been slightly reduced, and you have gained a spell that used to be on Scragrot's War Scroll. Itchy Nuisance is cast on a 6, range 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster, and the Strike Last effect applies to that unit until the end of the turn. 
Nick it, Nick it was on Scragrot's War Scroll spell, and it's a casting value of 8 and a range of 12. If successfully cast, pick one enemy model within range and visible. Now, that model is going to suffer D3 mortal wounds, and if you happen to roll a 10-plus on the casting roll and the target has an artifact of power, they can no longer use that artifact of power. So if it was an enhanced weapon, it reduces to a normal. If they had, I don't know, Arcane Tome, you, you nick that Arcane Tome and it's no longer a caster or you reduce the spell casting of that wizard, whatever it might be. But um, one of my favorite spells, Nick It, Nick It. Squig Lua has a casting value of 5, range 18. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Squig unit wholly within range and visible to the caster. Until your next hero phase, it can reroll charge rolls for that unit. Finally, the Hand of Gork, casting value of 7, range 24. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Gloom Spike Gits unit that is more than 3 inches from all enemy units and is wholly within range and invisible to the caster. Remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up again anywhere on the battlefield so long as it's outside of 9 inches of all enemy units and that unit cannot make a movement in that following movement phase. I want you to pour one out for my homies the Great Green Spite which was one of my favourite spells that didn't make it into the new battle tome. Then over on the Spider Fang, you have three spells. You have Scuttling Terrors with a casting value of 6, range 18. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Spider Fang unit that's wholly within range and visible to the caster. It can make a normal move. Sneaky Distraction, casting value of 7, range of 12. If successfully cast, until your next hero phase, you subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by enemy units while they're in that 12-inch range from the caster. And then finally, Curse of the Spider God, which is a casting value of 7, range of 24. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible. Until the start of your next hero phase, hit rolls for attacks made by units that always fail on an unmodified 1 or 2 instead of just 1. And save rolls for attacks that target that unit will always fail on an unmodified 1 or 2 instead of a 1. Now, Itchy Nuisance is still a great debuff spell, and Hand of Gork you should never leave home without. It's a great way to reposition your Sneaky Snufflers, you can regenerate units from the Loon Shrine back into the fight, or you can sneak into a late game objective. Nicket Nicket, as I previously mentioned, was Scragrot's signature spell that was removed from his War Scroll, but you will find out that Scragrot does know the entire Moon Clan spell lore. So you can use this spell on your Fungoid Cave Shaman or your Madcap Shaman. Um, I've stolen so many artifacts with that 10 plus spell cast, especially if you're on Arcane Terrain and things like that. Sneaky Distraction is still my favorite spell from the Spider Fang spell lore, and it's why I always take a Web Spinner Shaman, even in a Moon Clan type build. But I think all three of these spells are solid, depending on, again, how you build your army. I mentioned earlier that you have five sub-factions to choose from and you still have one focused on each of the types of builds, whether it's Spider Fang, Squigs or Trogoths, and you've also gained two new additional sub-factions. The King's Gits is a new sub-faction and you will see later on Scragrot the Loon King and I think it's Zarbag's Gits is keyworded to this Gittish Horde. If you command a King's Gits army, you can re-roll the dice roll when using the Loon Shrine's Moon Clan Lairs ability, the 4-up try to bring back a unit at half strength. Bad Snatchers is the other new sub-faction, 
Each time a casting roll is made for a friendly Bad Snatchers Moon Clan wizard, if that wizard is wholly within 9 inches of another friendly Bad Snatchers Moon Clan wizard, you can re-roll one of the dice in that spellcasting roll. Jaws of Mork is your squig focus sub-faction and you can add one to the attack characteristic of the fangfield gobs, the massive fangfield gobs and the huge fangfield gobs used by a friendly Jaws of Mork squig unit if it made a charge move in that same turn. Glog's Mega Mob is your Trogoth focus sub-faction. Each time a friendly Glog's Mega Mob Trogoth unit fights, after all of its attacks have been resolved, the effects of its regeneration or greater regeneration ability is triggered. Grim Scuttle is your Spider Fang focus sub-faction. During deployment, if any friendly Grim Scuttle, Skitter Strand, Arachnoroks have been set up in ambush as reserve units using the ambush from beyond ability, Instead of setting up another friendly Grimscuttle Spiderfang unit, you can place that unit to one side and say it will join the friendly Grimscuttle Skitterstrand Arachnorok in ambush as a reserve unit. Up to two units can join each friendly Grimscuttle Skitterstrand Arachnorok as a reserve unit. Now while a friendly Grimscuttle Skitterstrand Arachnorok is set up on the battlefield for the first time, Set up all the units that joined that Skitterstrand Arachnorok wholly within 12 inches of it and more than 9 inches from enemy units. Now I love Bad Snatchers and their ability to re-roll one of the dice when attempting to cast a spell. This will help you get more spells off and avoid miscasts. I seem to have terrible luck bringing back units of Stabbers at half strength from the Loon Shrine, so getting that re-roll to the dice actually might make the King's Gits worthwhile for me. It brings back bodies onto the board, I can sling them forward using the Hand of Gork, and I told you to never leave home without that spell. The Jaws of Mork is going to mean that your Squigs are going to pack more punch with that extra rend, the Trogoths being more durable when they heal after fighting, and the Grim Scuttle is going to give you that extra movement shenanigans if you build around the Skitter Strain Arachnorok. Finally, Gits have faction grand strategies and battle tactics, as well as a new War Scroll Battalion. The four grand strategies are a scheme for every occasion, chasing the moon, protect the shrine, and superior spell flinger. A scheme for every occasion, when the battle ends you complete this grand strategy if you completed at least 4 battle tactics and all of those battle tactics were completed from the Gloomspike Gits. Chasing the moon, when the battle ends you complete the grand strategy if the model picked to be your general has not been slain and they have been affected by the light of the bad moon at least for 3 battle rounds. Protect the Shrine, you complete the Grand Strategy if there is a Bad Moon Loon Shrine from your starting army on the battlefield, there is no enemy units within 12 inches of it, and it's not affected by a successful Smash to Rubble Monstrous Rampage. The last Grand Strategy is the Superior Spell Flinger, and you complete this Grand Strategy if there are two or more friendly Gloomspite Gits Endless Spells on the battlefield. If I'm picking a Grand Strategy from this list, I would be picking Protect the Shrine, I run a heavy grot list and there's always going to be enough bodies for me to protect my shrine. Chasing the moon might not be a bad option if your general is durable like a Dankhold Trogboss or your web spinner Arachnorok. There are 6 Gits battle tactics in Follow the Moon, Glory Grabbers, Venomous Assault, Stab em in the Dark, Moonlight Raid and You Ain't So Big. Follow the Moon, you cannot pick this battle tactic in the first battle round. 
and you complete the tactic if at the end of this turn every friendly gloom spike gets unit in the battlefield is affected by the light of the bad moon and you control more objectives than your opponent glory grabbers picks one objective controlled by your opponent you complete this tactic at the end of this turn if you control that objective with a friendly gloom spike gets unit that was added to your army as a replacement unit from the loon shrine's moon clan lairs ability and it's contesting it Venomous Assault is completed if at least 8 mortal wounds were caused by the Spider Venom ability from friendly Spider Fang units during this turn and not negated. Stab him in the Dark lets you pick one enemy unit on the battlefield and you complete the tactic if that unit was destroyed by the attacks made by friendly Gloom Spike Gits unit during this turn, why they were not affected by the Light of the Bad Moon. Moonlight Raid lets you pick one objective controlled by your opponent. You complete this tactic at the end of the turn if you control that objective and every friendly Gloom Spike Gits unit that is contesting it is affected by the Light of the Bad Moon. You Ain't So Big lets you pick one enemy monster on the battlefield. You complete this tactic if that monster was slain by an attack made by a friendly Gloom Spike Gits Trogoth unit during this turn. Follow the Moon seems like a great turn 2 battle tactic unless you are planning on an aggressive early assault. Glory Grabbers might be nice if you're using Moon Clan Stabbers, and you'll see why when we get to the War Scroll changes. And depending on how Debad Moon is moving around the board, Moonlight Raid, I don't mind either. Finally, there is one faction battalion that you can use in match play called the Trogoth Evies. It requires one Dankhold Trog Boss and one Dankhold Trogoth unit, no other options like the Rock Gut or the Fellwater. If you take the battalion, you get an extra enhancement of your choosing through Magnificent. Let's kick into our War Scroll changes and let's start off with the Loon Shrine. You're not going to like this, but it has gained the impassable rules. So you can no longer move a model on this terrain unless it flies. And you cannot set up or land on this terrain feature even if it flies. Now this kind of ties together with it's lost it defensible. So you can no longer garrison units within the shrine. Ouch. There has been a change with the Moon Clan lairs and it's no longer tied to your general's keyword, which is a big win. You can bring back a unit that isn't a hero, is not unique, and has 5 wounds or less. Otherwise, the rest of the way that it works is all the same. I mentioned that Defensible is gone, and it's also lost the Lunatic Courage ability that gave you the Battleshock immunity within 12 inches of it. Losing the Defensible ability on the Loon Shrine is going to be a big change for some of us Gits players, or maybe just me, who love to garrison a hero and some bodies within the Loon Shrine. It would have been really handy for the Protect the, the Shrine Grand Strategy that we have now, but alas, it's no longer here. I guess we move on. Scragroth the Loon King has had a bunch of changes. His move has gone from 4 to a base of 5. There's been some minor melee weapon changes, so it's down to 3 attacks, but he now does D3 damage. The change that made me shed a tear was the loss of Debad Moon on a stick missile attack. 
So the reason it's not a loss and not a change is it's gone from a missile weapon uh, attack that's just straight gone to now a boost, like a benefit kind of bubble. So now what Demoon on a Stick does is it affects friendly Gloom Spike Gits units that are wholly within 12 inches of Scragrot and they're treated as they are under the light of the Bad Moon. So he's going to be a nice little buff aura as he moves across the board and potentially your moon's a bit more inconsistent moving around the board. You've got another source of the light. Scragrot has gained the Warmaster ability, which means Scraggy is treated as the general, even if he's not picked to be your general. The Babbling Wand has changed, and once per turn, he can issue a free command. Formerly, on a 4-up, you would generate a couple of extra points if Scraggy was the general. Scragrot does know the entire Lore of the Moon Clan spell lore. The Loon King's entry is no longer a command ability, and Scragrot no longer needs to be the general to use the ability. And if you haven't seen this ability, it allows you to choose if the Bad Moon stays in its current spot, or if it moves one. And as I previously mentioned, there is no way for it to jump two spots, so it's either one or none. With Nicket Nicket moving to the spell lore, Scragrot has gained Fangs of the Bad Moon, which has a casting value of 3 and a range of 24. And if successfully cast, you pick one enemy unit that's in range and visible to the caster, and roll a number of dice equal to the casting roll. For every 3 plus, that unit suffers one mortal wound. And as already mentioned, uh, Scragrot is keyworded now to be a King's Gits. The only change that I noticed on the Madcap Shaman was the Bravery has gone from 4 to now Bravery 5. The Fungoid Cave Shaman has also had a couple of boosts. The Bravery has gone from 4 to a 5. It's also gone from 4 wounds to 5 wounds, so plus 1 on both of those fronts. There has been a change with the Death Cap Mushroom, and once per battle, the extra spell is only for the Fungoid if it's in a Gloom Spike Gits army. And it can choose any spell from the Lore of the Moon Clans for that cast. Now that doesn't really affect you and I very much, but the Fungoid Cave Shaman was a popular ally choice in the armies like Ironjaws, for example, so that'll obviously impact them. There has been a change with the Spore Squig, and it's no longer a 4 plus ward save. It's now just not visible to enemy units more than 12 inches away. The final change on the Fungoid Cave Shaman is the Spore Moors, which is a casting value of 7 and a range of 6. If successfully cast, each enemy unit within range suffers D6 mortal wounds. You obviously roll separately. Now this was formerly D3 mortal wounds and a D6 range, so I guess more damage and it's now a consistent 6 as opposed to a D6. Zarbag's Gits Bravery has gone to 5, which is an increase of 1, and the Cursed Sickle Melee is now a damage 2, formerly 1. The Sniffer Smite on a 4-up can cast 1 extra spell, formerly it used to give you a plus 2 to your casting roll. It has gained a new spell called Jealous Hex, which is a casting value of 6 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, you pick 1 enemy hero within range and visible to the caster. And until your next hero phase, ignore positive modifiers to hit rolls and wound rolls for attacks made by that hero, and ignore positive modifiers to save rolls for attacks that target that hero. Face of the Bad Moon has changed, and it is now range of 9. It formerly was 3, which is a massive boost. 
There's been various changes for the Zarbag's Gits, with the biggest being a now a 3 plus bodyguard rule. So if Zarbag is near the Gits, they can pass off wounds or mortal wounds on a 3 up. And as I already mentioned as well, Zarbag is now keyworded to the King's Gits. The Loon Boss had a couple of nice little updates. It used to have a 5 plus save, it's now a 4 plus save. The range has gone up to 2 inch range for the melee weapon. And he's also gained five attacks. It used to be three. Dead Trixie is now a ward of a six up. It used to be a minus one to hit. So a nice little ward there. And there has been a change to I am the boss. Now stab him good. When this unit issues the all out attack command to a friendly moon clan unit in the combat phase. Until the end of that phase. If the unmodified wound roll for the attack made by that moon clan unit is a six. The attack causes one mortal wound to the target in addition to any damage it inflicts. Now, this does mean that they benefit from the mortal wounds on sixes to wound and all that attack, which is a massive boost because in the old book you chose one or the other. Now I get both. The Loon Boss with Giant Squig has increased its wounds slightly, so it's now seven wounds. It used to be six. It did lose the Moon Prodder Missile Weapon, and I'm the Boss. Now stab him good. The Moon Prodder melee weapon now hits on a 3, it used to hit on 4s, it's now Ren 2, it used to be Ren 1, and it's now Damage 2, it used to be Damage 1. The Dead Trixie is 6 up ward as well, just like the Loon Boss. It's gained a new rule called Going Somewhere. At the start of the Battleshock phase, you can pick one other friendly Gloomspite Gits Grot unit within 3 inches of this unit and say that the Loon Boss will set its Cave Squig loose on the unit. Now if you do so, that unit suffers D3 Mortal Wounds, but for each Mortal Wound that the unit suffers, you get to add 3 to the Bravery characteristic until the end of that phase. The other rule that it gained is gobbled up, and at the end of the combat phase, pick one enemy model within one inch of the unit and roll a dice. If the roll is equal or greater than the model's wounds characteristic, it is just slain. Speaking of the Squig boss, we have our new Squig boss with Nasha Squig that has a move of 5, a save of 6+, a bravery of 5, and a wounds of 4. It has no shooting profile, but it does have two melee attacks. The Squig Crook is a range of two, three attacks, hits on threes, wounds on threes, Ren 1 for two. While the Fangfield Gob has a range of one, three attacks, hits on fours, wounds on threes, Ren 1 for one. Now the Nasha Squig is a companion, which is probably no surprise. It has the Microfile Pouch, which in your hero phase, you can pick one enemy Squig unit that's within three inches of this unit to be fed a batch of mushrooms. If you do so, apply one of the following effects to that unit. Each effect lasts until the start of your next hero phase, and the same unit cannot be fed a batch of shrooms more than once in the same phase. So there are three different options. The first one is the Crimson Deathcap, which adds three to the movement characteristic. With the Yellow Lurker, if the unmodified hit roll for the attack made by that unit with a fang-filled gob, a massive fang-filled gob, or a huge fang-filled gob is a six, that attack causes one mortal wound to the target in addition to any damage that it inflicts. The other option is the Sprout and Moon and add one to the attack characteristic of that unit's Fang-filled Gob, Massive Fang-filled Gob or Huge Fang-filled Gob. There's one other sweet rule and that is Release the Squigs and once per battle at the start of your hero phase you can say that this unit will release the Squigs. 
If you do so, friendly squig herd units that are wholly within 12 inches of this unit can make a normal move. Now it's keyworded destruction, gloom spike, gibbs, grot, squig, moon clan, hero, squig boss, squig boss with nasher, squig. I really like this unit and the points are right at 80 points. So it's not a unique model. I can take multiple squig bosses if I want. It'll be great to buff up your mangler squig, your boingrot bounders, your hoppers, or your squig herd, depending on how you build your list. Or even if you're considering bringing in some squig herd into your, let's say, your trogoth build, uh, I could still see value bringing the squig boss to accompany that squig herd uh, in your non-squig builds. Now, some big changes when it comes to the Palooza. The Palooza is no longer treated as five individual models it's now treated as one war scroll and it's one unit so i guess it's more like an underworld's warband here there's been a change with the no was ability and it's no longer a roll so previously you had to roll a three plus when you wanted to use the ability on the brew git the spiker and the scaremonger instead you pick one of the following abilities there is no dice roll as long as the model is still on the table so the glare face dance is for the scaremonger. You pick one friendly gloom spike gets unit that is wholly within 12 inches of this unit. And you get to add one to the run and charge rolls for that unit until the start of your next hero phase. The Petal Potion from the Brew Git, you pick one friendly Gloomspike Gits hero that's wholly within 12 inches of this unit, and you get to add plus one to your hit and to your wound rolls for melee weapons until the start of your next hero phase. Nasty Poisons is from Spiker, and you pick one friendly Gloomspike Gits unit that's wholly within 12 inches of this unit, and you improve the Ren characteristic of that unit's weapons by one until the start of your next hero phase. You still have two spell casts and you have Mesmerize from Boggle Eye, uh, has a casting value of 6 and a range of 12. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. Until the start of your next hero phase, that unit cannot issue or receive commands. The spell no longer makes a friendly unit a Battleshock immune, so I'm a bit sad about that one, but being able to not issue or receive commands is a, a nice little spell. The Fungoid Cloud from the Shroom Mancer is a casting value of 6 and a range of 12, and if successfully cast until the start of your next hero phase, subtract 1 from hit rolls for attacks that target friendly Gloomspite Gits units while they are wholly within range of this unit, so it no longer subtracts 1 from save rolls, but the range has also been extended there. The final change, it did lose a couple of rules. The first one it lost was Slippery Gits, which was a minus one to be shot at if it was in three inches of the Moon Clan unit. And it also lost the Hallucinogenic Fungus Brew, which was giving them a plus two to their save in the first battle round and a plus one to their save in the second battle round. Both are just straight up gone. Next up is our Moon Clan Stabbers, and the save is now improved to be a base save of five up. It used to be six, and with the Moon Clan shield, if there was ten or more models, uh, you would get a plus one to your save. So now the characteristic is a five up. It means you're going to get more value out of all that defense, and there's no restriction on the unit size. You've lost the option to take a Moon Clan flag standard bearer. That rule is just straight gone. Your standard bearer now is the icon bearer. The Moon Clan Champion has now changed to be a plus one attack as opposed to getting plus one to hit. 
The Netta rule has been cleaned up nicely and it's now just a minus one to hit for enemy units within one inch of a unit with Netters. So previously you had to do this like real weird deployment shenanigans where each individual model within two inches of a Netta would be minus one. But if you were outside the two inches, you didn't get the minus one. Now it's just a clean, if you're within one inch of a unit with a Netta, you're minus one to hit. I like that one. It did lose the Backstabber mob and the Moon Shield. The Backstabber was giving you a plus one or a plus two to your wound roll, depending on the size of the unit. And we already spoke about the Moon Shield being bundled into the save characteristic. It did gain quite an interesting rule called Enarctic Hordes, where if the unit has 20 or more models, this unit can contest objectives while it's within 9 inches as opposed to 6 inches, which will probably catch a few people off guard if they're trying to protect an objective. When it comes to your Moon Clan shooters, the Champion, the Moon Clan Flag, the Backstabbing Mob, and the Netters is exactly the same as what I just spoke about with the Stabbers. Uh, the range has changed with the Moon Clan Bows. It's now a range of 20. Formerly, it used to be range 16. They also now hit on 4s. They used to only hit on 5s, which is a, a great little boost there. There's been a change to the Moon Clan Bows ability that has been renamed as Lots of Arrows. It's going to add one to the attack characteristic of this unit's Moon Clan bows. While it has 10 or more models, uh, it was plus one to hit, but with all that attack, you could get that getting plus one attack and still getting plus one to hit in the shooting phase, which is probably a trade-up, right? Sneaky Snufflers gained a five plus ward save, which is really nice. And it's had a change to the Loon Cap Mushrooms that I'm not quite sure if I like yet. So at the start of your movement phase, you can say that this unit is going to harvest the Loon Cap Mushrooms. If you do so, it can't move in that movement phase, but you can make a harvesting roll. Add one to this dice roll if it's affected by the light of the bad moon. On a roll of a 1 to a 2, nothing happens. On a 3 plus, you can pick one friendly Gloomspite Gith unit that's wholly within 12 inches of this unit, and they're going to get a 5 plus ward until the start of your next hero phase. In addition, if the harvesting roll was a 6, you add 1 to the attack characteristic of that unit's melee weapons until the start of your next hero phase. Now before, it, there was no ability to give a ward out, it was just you sacrifice your movement and basically you get a plus 1 attack characteristic. Now I've got to roll a 6 or if it's under the light it'll be a 5 up to get that plus 1 attack, so it's less consistent, but giving a 5 plus ward might not be so bad. I'm I've still got to do the maths and play it out, I guess. Next up is your Loon Smasher Fanatic, and there's been a couple of changes with Release the Fanatics. So now you can't set up the Loon Smasher Fanatics in a Moon Clan Grot unit that has the Squig or Fanatic keyword. It seems like you can now release the Fanatics if the unit that they were hiding in ran in the movement phase. And the other change that I notice is if the unit is destroyed with Fanatics still hiding in it, Previously, they used to just be straight destroyed. Now what happens is you set up the Fnatic unit wholly within 6 inches of the last slain model before you remove it from play. So let's say you have these Loon Smasher Fnatics hiding in a unit of Grot Stabbers, and those Stabbers are now dying. Before you remove that final Stabber, pop out the Fnatics, then remove that last slain model, and the Fnatics stay around. Yay! 
It also lost the splat rule, which if you rolled a double on the charge, the Loon Smasher fanatics would take D3 mortal wounds, which would almost destroy half your unit before it even got into combat. And also the range of the attack profile has gone to be a three inch range, while the rest of it seems to have stayed the same. The Spore Splatter fanatics have gained a pre-game move, so it's just a normal move on their profile. There has been a change in the Puff Shroom Frenzy, and you add one to the attack characteristic of melee weapons used by other friendly Gloomspite Gits units while they're wholly within 12 inches of any friendly unit with this ability. Formerly, it was 12 inches. Formerly, it was activated in the Hero phase, uh, and it was locked to Moon Clan Grots. Uh, it also did lose the Splat rule, so now they're not going to take damage on the charge if they roll double. And their range also changed to be a 3-inch range, formerly 1-inch. Next up, we have our Squigs, and we'll start off with the Loon Boss on Mangler Squig. Uh, it's received 2 extra wounds, so it's now a profile of 14 wound characteristic, which is very nice as well as the move has been rewritten. So previously it was a completely random, you know, 2d6, 3d6 across the bunch of squigs, not just the Mangler squig, but a lot of the squigs had a very random move. You're going to see now that there's been a massive move rewrite. 0 to 6 does d6 plus 10 inch move. Uh, 7 to 9 does d6 plus 7 inch move. 10 to 12 does d6 plus 5 inch move. And 13 plus does D6 plus 10, which is quite nice because I can't count the amount of times that I've rolled my 3D6 move on my Mangler Squig and I've rolled like a 5 or a 4 or a 6, which really neuters your attacks and can blow out your plans quite easily. So glad to see a little bit more consistency with the Mangler Squig. And you'll see some of these traits flow into like your uh, Boingrots and your Hoppers as well. The ball and chain has now changed as well. It's starting at 7, goes to 6, goes to 5, goes to 8 against the profile. Uh, there has been a change as well with the huge fang-filled gobs. It now hits on 3s, then hits on 4s, hits on 5s, hits on 2s. Again, all tied to the damage table, just like ball and chains and the movement. Kasplat has changed, and after this unit has made a charge move, pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit and roll a dice for each model in that unit to a maximum of 10 dice. For every four plus, that unit suffers one mortal wound. Formerly, it was just plus one to hit on the charge. It did lose the red cap mushroom ability, which was at once per battle, reroll hit and wound rolls. The watch out rule has changed and the range has gone down to three inch range. So previously it used to be uh, 6 inch range dealing D3 mortal wounds on death on a 4 up. Now it's been brought in a little. The other change is Bite de Moon is no longer a command ability, but it is a once per game ability. It's the same rules from what I could see, it's just now not, not costing you a command point. Now the Mangler Squig has also changed and it's very consistent with what I just spoke about with the Loon Boss. So it has the same extra wounds, it's gained an extra two wounds, the damage table is exactly the same as what I just spoke about, Kasplat is the same, Watch Out is the same as well. Now obviously there's some things that are unique to the, the Loon Boss version, but consistency between the two Mangle Squigs. The Loon Boss on Giant Cave Squig has also seen a movement change. It's now D6 plus 7 move. It used to be a random 2D6. And it's gained 2 extra wounds. It's now a wound of 8 as opposed to 6. The melee weapon profile has improved slightly with the Moon Cutter and the Stabber both having Rend 1 and 2 damage. 
it lost the red cap mushroom and interestingly enough i didn't see fly on the war scroll so it seems to have lost fly i thought it flew before it doesn't do it anymore it's gained an ability called moon clan stab and if this unit made a charge move in the same turn add one to the damage characteristic of this unit's moon clan stabber and improve the rend on the moon clan stabber by one and finally there's a change in let's go bouncing and in the combat phase after this unit has fought for the first time in that phase, you can pick one friendly Boingrop Bounder unit that has not fought yet in that phase, is within 3 inches of an enemy, and is wholly within 12 inches of this unit. Now that unit of Boingrop Bounders can immediately fight. So previously, Let's Go Bouncer would give you an extra 3 inch move in the movement phase as a command ability. Now you're going to get uh, Boingrop Bounders and the uh, Boing uh, Loon Boss on Giant Cave Squig fighting at the same time, if they obviously meet those conditions. Squig Hoppers have had a change in their move. They now move D6 plus 10. Uh, their Slitters have changed uh, and they are hitting and wounding on 4s. They formerly both were hitting and wounding on 5s. The Fangfield Gob is now 3 attacks. So they've gained an extra attack there. The Champion is now plus one attack, where previously it was just plus one to hit. Finally, there's been a change in Boing Boing Boing, where now its normal moves, runs, and retreat moves will do the Mortal Wounds. So they've expanded the access to the Mortal Wounds. Boing Grot Bounders have also had a move change, and it's D6 plus seven inch move. Uh, their Champion as well, plus one attack. Their Fangfield Gobs is also three attacks. The Pokin Lance now wounds on threes. It used to be four. There's also been a change in the Lancers of the Bounders, and that is plus one damage and improve the Ren characteristic of one when they make a charge. Formerly, it was plus one to wound. Next up is your Squig Herd, and they have seen a movement change as well. Previously, they were a flat five-inch move. Now they are D6 plus five, which is possibly quite nice, especially if you roll high in that D6. The Fangfield Gob is also three attacks, formerly two. There has been a change with Squigs Gone Wild, and each time a Cave Squig in this unit flees, before that model is removed from play, roll a dice. On a 2+, you can pick one enemy unit within 9 inches of this model, and that unit suffers one Mortal Wound. Formerly, this was a doing Mortal Wounds on a 4+, and the range was 6 inches. So, uh, And you also had to pick the closest enemy model. Now that restriction seems to have gone as well. It has lost go that way, which was re-roll, run, and charge rolls. It has gained herding squigs. Now, the squig herd cannot receive commands. However, at the start of your hero phase, you can roll one dice for each squig herder in the unit. For each 2+, you can return D3 cave squigs to this unit. For each one, one squig herder from this unit is slain. Now, for every time you reinforce your squig herd, you receive two squig herders. What I really like about this rule is that it doesn't require you to not be in combat like Rally. Now, you're not going to be able to use Rally and Squig Herding Squigs because this unit cannot receive commands. But there's no restrictions as well by returning models when you're in combat. So, um, it's a nice little boost there and you're going to be able to deal mortal wounds as you keep returning Cave Squigs and they keep running away from Battleshock. Next up is our Trogoths and I'll start with Molog. The melee weapon now has an attack sequence of a 2-inch range, 3 attacks, hits on 3s, wounds on 3s, rend 2 for 3. Uh, it used to be 1 to D3 mortal wound sequence. Uh, it's now got a missile weapon profile that does D3 damage, which used to be 1. 
the regeneration no longer requires a four plus two regenerate and you'll see this consistently across your trogs it did lose reassuring presence magical resistance and the jabber toad ability and the companion rule has slightly changed where the bat squeak now deals one mortal wound on a two plus where previously it was a five plus but the rest of them otherwise were the same the Dankhold Trog boss's regeneration has become a greater regeneration, and at the start of the hero phase you can heal up to d6 wounds allocated to this unit. Formerly it was d3 and you had to roll a 4 up. This is now just a flat d6, no dice roll required other than obviously the, the wounds, how many. You have lost Reassuring Presence and Instinctive Leader. It has gained a rule called Shepherd of Destruction. Now. When this unit issues the all-out attack command to a friendly Gloomspite Trogoth unit in the combat phase, until the end of that phase you get to add one to the attack characteristic of melee weapons used by that unit, and it's worth calling out that like the Loon Boss, you still receive the all-out attack benefit in addition to the plus one attack characteristic from the Shepherd of Destruction. Next up you have the Dankhold Trogoth and very similarly the regeneration now no longer requires you to roll a 4 up. It's still D3 heal, it's just automatic. You've got a change in the Colossal Boulder Club which now has 4 attacks, uh, wounds on 2 plus and it does damage D3 plus 3. Previously the damage was D6 so you've got a bit more consistency now and the profile has improved like plus 1 attack. It's now an improvement plus one to the, the wound roll as well. Uh, but you have lost Reassuring Presence too. The Fell Water has received a boost to the save characteristic. It was five. It's now a four-up save. The regeneration is the same as the Dankhold Trogoth that I just spoke about. It does an automatic D3 heal. There's no roll required. There has been a change in Terrible Stench. It now deals enemies a minus one to hit while it's within three inches of this unit of Fellwater, as opposed to attacks that target the Fellwater. It's gained a new rule called Noxious Vomit. Now if any wounds caused by this unit's Noxious Vomit is allocated to the enemy unit and not negated, that enemy unit is drenched in vomit until the start of your next hero phase. While this unit is drenched in vomit, subtract one from save rolls for attacks that target that unit and ignore positive modifiers to save rolls for attacks that target that unit. A unit cannot be drenched in vomit more than once in the same turn. Your rock gut trogoths have also seen a save boost. They are now saved on a four up characteristic and again the regeneration is exactly the same as the Dankhold trogoth and the Fellwater. There has been a change in the throwing boulders. Pick one enemy unit within 9 inch range and roll a dice. Add one to the roll if the target has 5 or more models. On a 4 up that enemy suffers one mortal wound. There's no indication on any of the changes with the Trogoth Hag and other Forge World models like the Colossal Squig or the Squig Gobber. Uh, or how they'll be supported moving forward. So if you own these range and I own plenty of them, I don't really know at this particular point in time. Next up, we'll look at our Spider Fang, and I'll start with the Arachnorok. So your Arachnorok with your Spider Fang War Party has a change to its move. So it's now a flat move of 10, no longer tied to the damage table. So that movement's not going to degrade as it takes wounds. Uh, it's also gained two extra wounds, speaking of wounds. So it's now a characteristic of 16 wounds. 
it's gained a rule called for the spider god now this unit is going to count as 10 models when contesting objectives which is massive there's been a change to spider venom and unmodified sixes to hit deal a flat three mortal wounds formerly it was d3 mortal wounds if you're wondering about the damage table, it is a 0 to 6, 7 to 9, 10 to 12, and 13 plus is your four different profiles. Your Web Spooner Shaman has the same move that I just spoke about, so it has a, a flat 10 move that's no longer tied to the damage table. It too gained two extra wounds, so it's now 16 wounds as well. The Spider Bow has gained two extra attacks, so it's now 10 attacks, hitting on fours, the Monstrous Fangs now do a flat 3 damage. Previously it was D3. It too has the same Spider Venom, so now Unmodified 6 is to hit deal D3 Mortal Wounds. It did lose the ability Profit of the Spider God, which used to give you a plus 2 bravery to Spider Fang units within 24 inches of the Web Spinner Shaman. But it did also have a change to the Venom of the Spider God spell. So the casting value of 6 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Spider Fang unit wholly within range and visible to the caster. Until the start of your next hero phase, add one to the number of mortal wounds caused by the Spider Venom ability if that unit has an unmodified hit roll of 6. If the casting value is 10 or more, you can pick D3 different Spider Fang units instead of the one. Now, it is worth calling out that if a unit is affected by the Light of the Bad Moon, it's not going to affect models doing unmodified hit rolls of fives. It's only going to be doing extra mortal wounds if you roll a six. Next up is your Flinger variety, and it's 10-inch move as well, 16 wounds as well. The Spider Venom is the same as what we've just spoken about. The one key change that I noticed is the Flinger, and the attack characteristic is equal to the number of models in the target unit to a maximum of 20. In addition, if any of the Flinger attacks score a hit, roll a dice, and on a 2-up, the unit halves its movement characteristic until your next hero phase. Now the range is 36, it hits on 3s, wounds on 3s, no rend for 1 damage. Next up with your Spider Fang is the Skitter Strand Arachnorock. Again, move of 10. Venom is the same as what we've spoken about previously. The Chitinous Leg range has gone down to 2. It used to be 3. The Monstrous Fangs now do a flat 3 damage, where previously it was just D3. There has been a change in Ambush from Beyond, and it's gained this additional text. In addition, at the end of the combat phase, you can say that this unit will go into Ambush again. If you do so, remove it from the battlefield. It is set up in ambush as a reserve unit once more. So it's kind of like strike and fade, but instead of teleporting out and then going back again near a wildwood, you go back into reserve and then the next turn you can bring it back into from reserve. The war scroll you can read if you're unfamiliar with the ambushing and how that works. It's the same as that. It's just to gain the ability to go back in. The Scuttle Boss on Gigantic Spider has gained two extra wounds. It's on eight wounds and a base move of 10, used to be eight. The Spider Venom does two mortal wounds on an unmodified six. It lost the Ride Em All Down command ability that allowed you to reroll charges for Spider Fang within 18, but it did gain the Scuttle away. And once per battle at the end of the combat phase, you can say that this unit will order his warriors to scuttle away. If you do so, you can pick one friendly spider rider unit wholly within 12 inches of this unit. 
This unit and the unit you pick can retreat one after each other. You pick the order. The Spider Rider has seen a change with its standard bearer being one in every five. It used to be one in every ten, and it gives you a plus one bravery. It used to give you plus two bravery. There's also a change with the drummer that's one in every five can be a drummer. It used to be one in every ten, and it also gives you plus one to your run rolls. Next up is the Web Spinner Shaman, and it has the same everything by the looks of it. Same move, save, bravery, wounds. It's still a caster. It has, still has a ward. It, it seems the same, so no changes there with the Web Spinner. The other new unit we received is the Snarlfang Rider, and it has a move of 12, a save of 5 up, a bravery of 4, and 2 wounds each. It does have both a shooting and a melee profile. The shooting profile is a Grot Bow that has a range of 16, one attack each, hits on a 4, wounds on a 5, no rend for 1. While the melee is a Stab and Stick, which is a range of 2, one attack, hits on 4s, wounds on 5s, no rend for 1. As well as the Mounts attack, which is a Slavering Jaw, which is two a 2 inch range, 2 attacks, hits on 3s, wounds on 3s, no rend for 2 damage. As I mentioned, the doggo attacks are the slavering jaws and they are the mount. One model in this unit is a champion and that champion is known as the git boss. And the git boss is going to get plus one attack characteristic to its stab and sticker. The standard bearer, one in every five models in this unit can be a git flag waiver and you add one to the bravery characteristic of this unit if it includes a git flag waiver. One in every five can also be a horn blaster. You add one to the charge rolls for this unit if it includes any horn blaster. It has a couple of rules. The first one being can't catch us. Now, when this unit receives the redeploy command, you can re-roll that dice that determines the distance it can move. That's quite nice. And in addition, immediately after this unit redeploys, it can shoot. This unit cannot receive the unleash hell command in the same turn that it receives the redeploy command. It also has Ferocious Pounce, where this unit is eligible to fight in the combat phase if it's within 6 inches of an enemy unit instead of 3, and it can make an extra 3-inch move when it piles in. So you don't actually have to land a charge, you could run, get within 6 inches of an enemy, and then still pile in, which is quite nice. Very similar to what Sisters of Slaughter do, for example. Uh, avoid Unleashed Hell, it could uh, mean that if you fail your charge, you, you could still get into combat. A lot of benefits there. It also has a rule called Smell Weakness, where you add one to the hit rolls for attacks made by this unit's slathering jaws if the target has had one or more wound allocated to it. It's keyworded to Destruction, Gloomspike Gits, Grot, Git Mob, and Snarlfang Riders. Euripa Snarlfang has increased its bravery to be Bravery 5 now, formerly 4. It has 3 wounds each, formerly 2. The ability called Smell Weakness has become Vindictive Attackers. You get to add one to your hit and wound rolls for attacks made by this unit that target a unit that has one or more wound allocated to it. And it's also gained the keyword Git Mob. So I'm seeing two Git Mob units here. I wonder if down the line we're going to get expansion into Git Mob. Next up you have your Ale Guzzler Gargant and there's been a couple of changes. The first one being the melee profile and the damage table is now very similar to what the Sons of Behemoth uh, Man Crusher Gargants have, except 
The Ale Guzzler has one more attack on the massive club profile. So it now starts at five, then degrades to four, to three, to two, where Suns goes four, three, two, one. Um, so the War Scrolls aren't identical. I'm just giving you an example here. The other change that I think you're going to massively love is the Drunken Stagger. Now you can attempt to charge with this unit if it is within 18 inches of an enemy instead of 12 inches of the enemy. In addition, you get to roll 3d6 instead of 2d6 when you make the charge roll for this unit. However, if the charge roll for this unit includes three dice uh, of the same number before modifiers applied, the unit doesn't make the charge and the players get to roll off and basically uh, they get to do some damage to each other here or there. Now, a lot of that is similar, except it's now 3d6. Now, I don't have the maths in front of me on the likelihood of rolling a triple on 3d6, whether it be double one, double five, double whatever, but the ability to be able to charge from within 18 inches instead of 12, being able to roll 3d6 on the charge has actually made me reconsider an Ale Guzzler Gargan because rolling the 2d6, it wasn't that good, but uh, I don't mind this now, actually. It's not too bad. When it comes to your endless spells, there are a couple of changes. The the Scrap Scuttle Arachna Cauldron has had some changes with the Blessing of the Cauldron. Models who summon the Cauldron can attempt to cast an additional spell. If the model that summoned the Endless Spell is a Moon Clan in a Gloomspite Gits army, it is going to know the entire Moon Clan spell lore while the Endless Spell is on the battlefield. It did used to give you rerolls to your casting, unbinding, and spelling, and it wasn't tied to Moon Clan, so. The other change is in the Blood Slither Pact, and after this Endless Spell is set up, and at the start of each of their hero phases, the commanding player must pick one unit within three inches of this model that summoned the Endless Spell. That unit is going to suffer one mortal wound that cannot be negated, and if there are no other units within three inches, the model that summoned the Endless Spell will take that mortal wound. The Scuttle Tides had some changes, and the first change is in the Scuttling Horde. Now, you get to roll eight dice, where previously you rolled six dice to do Mortal Wounds on a five-up. Uh, you do the five-up trigger on setup, and if a unit ends within six inches of the move, run, retreat, or charge, there is a new rule on the Scuttle Tide called the Endless Terrors. So while this Endless Spell is wholly within 12 inches of an Arachnorok unit, it can only be dispelled by dispel roll of a 9+. plus. Your Malevolent Moon has increased its predatory move. It used to only be 8. It's now moved to be a 12-inch move. Uh, the Malevolent Intentions, after this Endless Spell has moved, you get to roll a dice for each unit within 3 inches of it. On a 2+, plus, that unit suffers D3 Mortal Wounds, and Gloom Spike Gits units are not affected by this ability. The change here is that it used to have to go over and pass over units to hurt them. Now it's just within 3 inches, which is uh, nice. There's also a change in the Lured Light, where when this Endless Spell is controlled by a model in a Gloom Spike Gits army, units are affected by the Light of the Bad Moon while they're wholly within 12 inches of this Endless Spell. So now you've got an extra way to get the Light of the Bad Moon, in addition to the Loon Shrine, in addition to the actual Moon Token, in addition to Scrag Rot. So there's a lot of different ways to get access to the, uh, the Light of the Bad Moon. It did lose the Moon of Ill Omen, which was a minus two to enemy wizard casting within range of the, the Malevolent Moon, which I'm a little sad about. I, I actually really like the Moon's debuff, but it's now changed its purpose a little bit. While the Mork's Mighty Mushrooms, I didn't actually notice any changes. 
So there's plenty of war scroll changes and it makes sense that the points are going to change as well. Now you saw some points discounts on Scragroth, the Loon King went down 50 points. Gobapalooza, Molog, and the Spore Splatter Fanatics went down 45 points. The Ale Guzzler Gargant went down 25 points. The Dankhold Trog Boss, the Loon Smasher Fanatics, the Squig Herd, and the Web Spinner Shaman all went down 20. The Moon Clan Stabbers went down 15. The Madcap Shaman and the Arachna Cauldron went down 10. And the Fungoid Cave Shaman and Zarbag's Gits went down 5. But it's not all discounts here, folks, because the Loon Boss on Manglesquig went up 100 points. Mork's Mighty Mushroom went up 60 points. The Arachnorock Spider with Flinger, the Ripper Snarl Fangs, and the Skidderstrand Arachnorock all went up 40 points. The Boingrot Bounders and the Sneaky Snufflers went up 35 points. The Loon Boss on Giant Cave Squig went up 30 points. The Scuttle Tide on Gigantic Spider went up 25 points. The Malevolent Moon went up 20, the Rock Gut Trogoth and the Scuttle Tide went up 15. The Loon Boss, the Dankhold Trogoth and the Mangler Squig all went up 10 points. The Arachnorock Spider with the War Party, the Fellwater Trogoths, the Loon Boss with Giant Cave Squig and the Moon Clan Shooters all went up 5 points. I didn't notice any changes on the Grinrak Loon Court if you're wondering why I didn't speak about it. And as I previously mentioned, the Squig Boss is 80 points. It only took us 18 months, but finally the Gloomspite Gits have gained faction, grand strategies, and battle tactics. I want to officially welcome you to 3rd edition Gloomspite Gits. There's a lot to like about the new books from unique monstrous rampages and heroic actions, as well as Debad Moon starting on the board. I can't even count the amount of times on one hand how many times the Bad Moon hasn't arrived on the board until turn 3 and there's been plenty of times where it hasn't even come on to, to till turn 4. So this is a good change for me. There were a lot of small changes across the board when it comes to the War Scroll. Some things I'm not happy about like Scragrot the Loon King losing its shooting attack, losing Great Green Spite as a spell, uh, the Sneaky Snuffler changed to a ward buff instead of you know straight up extra attacks. Not that I'm complaining about my 5 up ward but I did like the basically guaranteed way to give my stabbers uh, an extra attack that would then feed into my loon boss who could then do mortal wounds on, uh, on a wound roll. Uh, but I guess I'll have to rethink that strategy. But a 5-up ward will keep my heroes around a little longer, which is nice. But there's plenty to like as well from things like the improved Ale Guzzler who can do a 3d6 charge, the uh, improved movement consistency with the squigs, the Moon Clan Stabbers being able to contest objectives within 9 inches, and the Skidderstrand ambushing shenanigans. I like the new Squig boss and I'll definitely consider it in my list when I'm building around my Squigs, but also the new Snarlfang Riders are interesting, but I'll be honest, I'm a little bit surprised there was no Hero Sculpt to go with it. Yes, they can issue their own commands, but I would have imagined at least a minor Hero could go along with the Git Mob, but I guess that's the next expansion for the Gloomspite Gits range down the track. I'm genuinely excited to play with my Gloomspite Gits and I'm really interested to see the different combinations and how my army is going to work in the new book and how I need to factor in some of the changes and some of the hidden gems that I haven't quite tapped into yet. But that's enough from me because I will definitely, as you know, go into a deeper discussion with some experienced players down the future uh, and I want to hear from you in the meantime. Let me know in the comments section what you're thinking about all of the changes are you happy we finally have battle tactics and grand strategies? 
What are your thoughts on the new Allegiance abilities? What are your thoughts on the way the Bad Moon works? I'd be curious to hear from you what you're thinking, what you're building around, and maybe even your thoughts on the new units. Let me know in the comment section. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you press like on the video, as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spellcast.